0: Welcome to Activate Church Podcast, and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you, and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. First Chronicles chapter 29, it says this, we're going to begin in verse 1, working through to verse 9. It says, And David the king said to all the assembly, Solomon my son, whom God alone has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the work is great. For the place will not be for men, but for the Lord God. So I provided for the house of my God, so far as I was able. I think that's good to think about that passage right there. So far as I was able. The gold for the things of gold, the silver for the things of silver, and the bronze for the things of bronze, the iron for the things of iron. And wood, for the things of wood, besides great quantities of onyx and stones for setting antimony colored stones, all sorts of precious stones and marble, moreover, in addition to that to, to all that I have provided for the holy house, I have a treasure of my own gold and silver, and because of my devotion to the house of my God, I give it to the house of my God, three thousand talents of gold. Of the gold of Ophah and seven thousand talents of refined silver for overlaying the walls of the house, and for all the work to be done by craftsmen, gold for the things of gold and silver for the things of silver, who then will offer willingly, consecrating himself today to the Lord? Then the leaders of fathers' houses. ...made their freewill offerings, as did also the leaders of the tribes, the commanders of thousands and of hundreds, and the officers over the king's work. They gave for the service of the house of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 darrocks of gold and 10,000 talents of silver and 18,000 talents of bronze and 100,000 talents of iron... And whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord in the care of Jehiel the Gershonite. Then the Lord rejoiced. Uh, so then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly, for with a whole heart they had offered freely to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. The passage of scripture is about uh, building the temple. Uh, the, the, the temple of the Lord. And so it talks about all the sacrifice that they made to it. Why don't we pray and then we can get into this morning. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you, God, that you are uh, building your church, that you're building your people. And Father, it's our, it's our heart and it's our privilege to be able to contribute to what it is that you want to do. Father, this morning, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that today would be a day of celebration as we worship you. And Lord, for for some of us uh, who who feel led to do it as we we give sacrificially today, Lord, we pray your richest blessings to be upon each and every person. In Jesus' name, amen. Just really quickly, a few points out of that passage that I want to talk to you guys about today. David gave to God. You'll notice that David is not really moved, in a sense, by the building. And really, who is? Who cares about buildings? If you were to take the raw material of a building and show it to me, timber and steel and nails and and whatever it is that, that you would plaster and you were to put them in a pile, to me... That's not exciting. But if those were to be constructed in such a way that they would be used to honour God and make room for God's people, then I start to get excited. You see, David never really cared too much about the materials, which is why it was so easy for him to give so freely. Because he wasn't so fussed about the materials, he was fussed about the purpose for which they would be used. And I think if we're gonna be God's people and God's church, then we wanna think this way also. We want to be the kind of people that we're not too fussed about the materials, but absolutely we're excited about what's going to happen to them. David gave to God. He didn't give to a building. He gave to God. Number two, David gave personally. says that he gave gold and silver. He gave personally. It was a personal decision. You know, David's got the whole kingdom, and I'm sure that if he wanted to, he could have encouraged the entire kingdom kingdom to give without personally giving into it in and of himself he could have done that he could have uh, encouraged them to do it and then not given anything really and nobody would need to know and yet he says no no I want to contribute in other words he said I don't want to leave this to anyone else Even that as a principle across the church when it comes to serving, when it comes to giving, whenever it comes to doing things in a church, to look at something in a church and say, hey, listen, we're just going to let the person next to me cover me is one way that you could approach it. But to be honest, I think, why would I want to do that when I want to contribute to what God is doing? David didn't leave it to anyone else. He didn't pass the buck, and he didn't say, it's fine, someone else will cover me. Have you ever gone out for dinner with somebody who tries to pay last or disappears around the time that the bill comes out? What do you think about that? You know, it's like, no, no, hang on, I want to contribute. I want to be a part of that. Number three, David gave first. For David, it wasn't about an obligation. How many of us can realize that David didn't say, well, I guess if I'm going to do this... uh I guess I have to give, and I guess I have to do it. I think David felt like that at all. When I read what the scriptures say about how David gave and the heart that was behind it, I think David thought it was a privilege to invest into something that was going to be significant that would surpass his generation. More to that, he says, Solomon, my son, he's inexperienced, but you know what he was really saying? What could we build in our time, adults, that we could pass To my children. That's really what he was saying. He spoke to the fathers of the houses and he said, You know what? My son Solomon, he's inexperienced. Right now, if the project was given to him, he would probably mess it up. I don't think that he'd be able to do it, but I want to build something in my time for the next generation to come along so that whatever is the ceiling in this generation becomes the floor for the next and they can continue to go way beyond wherever David could in his generation. Now, if you read what the Word of God says, it says that's exactly what happened. The kingdom of Israel began to expand rapidly under Solomon's reign, but David laid the foundations for it. I think it's such a privilege to be able to lay foundations for something that's going to go beyond you. Number four, it says that David gave generously. It says that he gave gold and silver. Now he uses the word talents, and I know talents isn't a word that we would use very often today unless you were talking about a skill, but in the Bible, it's a sum of money. So I looked at the talents, and just over the weekend, I decided to add up what those talents would work out to be. I thought it was going to be a lot. It was. David gave personally to build the temple that still stands today, In today's currency it would be worth 4.3 billion dollars 4.3 billion dollars and he gave it that was his and he said take it there is something about david's heart that captures me because i realized something about david he does not care about anything but then to please his god And for me as an individual, I think if you're going to be a leader of anything and you lead with a heart that says, I don't care, I just want to please my God. I want to do what honors him. David gave first, he gave generously $4.3 billion. It says the fathers of the houses of Israel, that they joined and it said that they freely gave. I think that David could have told the houses of Israel and the fathers This is your responsibility. He could have increased taxes. He could have made it mandatory, but he didn't. He said, guys, this is what I'm doing. I'm I'm sowing into this because I believe that we're supposed to build something for the next generation. I'm given to it first before anyone else gives. I don't care what anybody else does, I'm doing this. He said, I'm gonna give generously, $4.3 billion. That's what I've done. Does anybody else wanna join me? It says that the fathers of the houses of Israel, that they joined him and they gave a freewill offering. And he gave incredibly generously. And sometimes I think we hear about you know, $4.3 billion and, and, and a lot of money and we think, wow, you know, that's a lot, and it's a lot to live up to, and I don't know if I can really be as generous as David. Look, if any of you can be as generous as David, meet me right after today's service. I will clear my schedule to talk to you. I don't think any of us can be as generous as King David was, but you know, I think about the widow's might. I think about the two copper coins that this poor widow put in the treasury and Jesus was watching. And he said, hey, this lady, she's put in more than everyone else. You see, when it comes to giving, it was in his capacity to give $4.3 billion. How many of us understand that the widow, she didn't have that. Uh, She had two copper coins and she gave what she had. And Jesus looked at it. He said, she's given more than everyone because he said, look how generous she's been. See, I think that when it comes to this kind of stuff, sometimes we hear about amounts and money. And I even spoke to somebody that's a, that's a friend of mine. They said, I really want to give. I, I, I don't know how much I can do, but I want to be as generous as possible. I said, just do what you can. I said, just do what you can. Don't do what you can't. Pray, commit, give. Just whatever God says to you, be faithful to. And I always say that. Whatever God says to you, make sure you be faithful to that. Because if God ever says anything, I've learned that when you get onto the other side of being obedient, there's always something there for you. God has this way of just unbelievably blessing people when they respond and are faithful to him. So here's what I would ask. As we would give today, whatever you sow today, sow it in faith. Whatever you sow today, whatever you plant today, see, today is a seed, but whatever you sow, sow it in faith because you could sow it in fear and I don't think you'd get much reward for that. But actually, when you're so in faith, something significant happens. Actually, when you're so in faith, you can begin to have on this present side expectations of what you plan to see on the other side. In fact, if, you, if you're so in faith, if you give in faith, I'll tell you what you could expect. You can expect miracles in your own finance. And I'll tell you something right now. I am the last person that would ever want to preach health and wealth gospel because I care too much about the Word of God. But if you actually read this thing, that's what it declares to be true. And this is my life experience. This is what's happened to me. Impossible things that we could never have done if you were to look at the story. Even Sarah and I as a married couple, things that would never come to pass. People said, that will never happen. That's impossible for you. And we kept on following God and we said, we don't care. We're going to do what God said. And we expected miracles and we walk in the land of miracles because what we sow, we sow in faith. I guarantee you this, if I sowed in fear, I wouldn't get that. I remember standing at the edge of a property of a house that we were trying to build. Every bank said, no one's going to touch you. There's no way you'll build it. In the middle of the night, I was so frustrated. I thought, oh, I don't know what to do. It doesn't look like we're going to be able to build this house. And if we don't, we're going to lose so much money. So I went in the middle of the night, crept out of bed. Three o'clock, 2, 2.30 in the morning, I, I walked to where the property was. I stood at the... Uh, driveway to this vacant block of land and in jesus name i began to prophesy i said we are faithful we always sow in faith and i'm believing that one day our house will be here it is we already built it and sold it and bought something else but the thing that was impossible happened why because what we do we do in faith I, I don't know about you but i have an expectation of my god why should i not expect great things of an incredible god i think that if you sow in faith you can expect to grow personally. It deepens you in some way. Something, you know, when you, when you sow in faith, you learn to trust and lean into God. I think when you sow in faith, you can expect to experience joy. And I'll tell you that, and, and, and let me remind you of this. In the season to come, when I'm looking at your faces, and we have a room that was full of teenagers on Friday night, I'll remind you of this day. And I will look at each of you and I'll say, there's the joy. I'll, we sow now and we reap a harvest of joy. Because I tell you, nothing could make me more joyous than to see teenagers coming to know Jesus. Nothing could make me happier than to see this place filled with children that are just overflowing on Sunday and, 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 and making room for that. Because you know what? To be honest, we sow all these things in faith and all the rest of it. It's, it's, I sow these things because I expect to reap a harvest of people who are going to come in and find Jesus and have their lives totally changed. This isn't the first time we've needed to do this as a church. In fact, we have a history. This church has a history of giving generously when we need to. And it's not just money. It's, it's your time. It's your talent. It's your treasure. It's all the things that you have. Uh, this church just have a history of it. I was thinking about this three years ago, almost to the month, three years ago, we found out that we weren't even going to have a building. We found out that we were getting kicked out of our old space and we had nowhere to go. We went nomadic. And when we said, we found a space, but we need to deck it out. And in order to do it, we need a series of miracles to begin to unfold. Do you know, as I continue to be in touch with people in the council, they say that what you did in the time that you did it is nothing short of a miracle. They said, seriously, it really doesn't happen for people, but it happened for us. We had to raise uh, uh, the largest uh, offering uh, in one moment that we ever had needed to in history, and the church was unbelievable. We have a history of, of giving and being generous when we see the need. And I think that that continues to be our heart today because the pressing need right now is to actually make space again for more of God's people to grow and, and fill this space you know i told you at the very beginning of this process that the kids ministry had grown by 122 percent while that figure continues to grow so i look at it year on year right now it's 150 percent so that is a huge amount of kids and, and and that is just every week to be honest and i i look at it every week every week that number is getting larger And so I look at that and I think, God, you're blessing it. And I want to get in on what you're blessing. And if you're new and you don't know what it's about, just flick over to that slide where we've got the picture of what we're sort of planning to build. So really simply, we just want to build a space. The space isn't exciting. The timber isn't exciting. The wood isn't exciting. But what it does, it'll house our youth, our kids, and allow us to run community courses that I think will help change people's lives the steel the timber the wood the materials that's not exciting but that absolutely is and in the day in our future when we look back on that i'll see that and i'll remind you of this day when we made a difference you know our theme this year was dream again it's our theme for the year to dream again because so interesting what Heather want had to say today because I believe that 10 years ago God had a plan for this church and I believe that we're knocking on the door of it right now right now I feel like we are knocking on the door of that thing that God was about to do god gave me this scripture is out of isaiah isaiah chapter 54. it says sing o barren one who did not bear break forth into singing and cry aloud for you who have not been in labor for the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married says the lord Next one, guys. It says, Enlarge the place of your tent. Let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad and back. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left. And your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. You know, four things about that. The passage opens and says, Sing, O barren one. You know, if you're um, in this time when this was written, if you weren't able to have children, it was a sign of shame. And the culture actually believed that it was retribution for some hidden secret sin that nobody knew about. And that's why you couldn't have children. And that's why they held it in that kind of regard. And it says, sing, O barren one. How many of us would know that when you're barren, the singing is the last thing that you wanna do. How many of us would understand that? See, when you're you're in the situation when you're hoping for something, but you haven't yet seen it, that's the time when you feel the least like singing. How many of us would understand that faith is counterintuitive? That actually what we do, this is where we're different. We say, we start to celebrate this side of what we hope to see. He says, I know that you haven't had children yet, but sing O barren one, begin to get excited. When you sing, what would you sing about? Wouldn't you sing in faith about what you're expecting to see on the other side? Wouldn't when you wouldn't that act of singing be a prophetic declaration and saying, "Hey, I know what, I know what it looks like, but let me tell you where we're going, let me tell you what's about to happen." Sing, O barren one. Begin to declare the things that you want to see. He says, enlarge the place of your tent. Speaks to me of preparation. A season of preparation. Get ready. Get ready for what God is about to do. The time when this was written, Israel was exiled. And here they are in a position of exile where they're not seeing anything. He says, get excited now. Start to make preparation. Start to make preparation right now. And I think about this season that we're in right now, we're starting to prepare for what God is about to do. You know, when when I got this Scripture last year, really, and themed this year, I never thought about how fitting it would be by the end of the year, that we would begin to lean into a season of preparation for what's about to happen. Do you know this passage of Scripture? Just so you know, if you look it up and you study what it means, it means directly that you should prepare for more people to be added to your family. I love that we had Ben Conroy sitting here saying, church is my family. Last week I preached a message on the church. I said, I love the church being a family. We'll get ready for God to begin to add to that family. He says, strengthen your cords, lengthen your stakes. Well, strengthen your stakes, lengthen your cords, begin to get ready for a season of development. When I think about strengthening your stakes, it speaks to me of structure. This year for us as a church, we have moved and migrated so far in just even nine months, key positions that needed to be filled. And I'll tell you the truth, in the first couple of years, I just wanted to know that I could actually do this. But I changed somewhere along the way. Over a year ago, I said, you know what? I think I can do this. It's my job to begin to get other people to do it. I just wanna raise people up. This whole year for me is about trying to build platforms and develop people to step into their areas of ministry. And I think about it now, we've got Matt Wynn who's running small groups. We've got Jono and Tash that are gonna help run our growth track. I think about all the people that have helped to contribute, the volunteers that have given their time and their energy. I think about all the things that it, we're getting ready for in the next season. I think about the systems and the strategies that we've been able to put in place, our courses, the community courses, that are going to be able to change and transform people's lives. And he says, finally, your offspring will possess the nations. In other words, he says, this is going to happen. And there are so many passages in the Bible where he says, I am the Lord your God. I will do it as, I've, as I have declared it. I'm always come through on my promises. I always deliver every time. And I read this passage and I think it's about declaration. It's about a season of preparation. It's about developing what we have. And it's about God delivering on His promise. We were at Heart and Soul the other night, and I said that uh, that God spoke to me while we were worshiping. For those of you that may not have been able to be there. And He said, you have not passed this way before. In other words, I got it in my mind that we were about to step from the season that we've been in into something new and something different. And he said, you have not passed this way before. It's a passage of Scripture that comes out of Joshua chapter 3, and you can read it in verse 4. And the passage of Scripture is about Israel being led by the Spirit of God, and the Ark of the Covenant would be carried in front of them, and they would keep their distance from the Ark. And he said, wherever the Ark would go, the people would follow And what He was really saying is, is that wherever my spirit goes, you are to follow where I lead you. Well, you wouldn't believe it. What they did is they began to lead them to the River Jordan. At the time and season, many of you would know that the river was just rushing and and, uh, it, it, it was too deep to be able to cross. And then Jesus says to the priests, I want you to walk out into the middle of that river. And so they walk out and as they stand in the middle, the water begins to subside and all Israel begin to cross over. And they cross over into that next season. And he says, see, I'm about to deliver. I'm about to do great miracles. And they walk over all of this by faith, being led by the Spirit of God. And they walk straight into that next season that God had for them. I think it's kind of interesting that the first, one of the first things that they had to do is they had to take this city called Jericho. And they walk and they cross the river. And, the, and as they get into uh, where Jericho is, the land, they are given the most outrageous strategy. He says, here's what we want you to do every day. Just walk around the city once. And then on the last day, we want you to walk around it seven times. And on the seventh time, I want you to get all the instruments and everyone's going to give a shout of praise. And everyone's going to begin to praise God and the city will fall flat. Well, I think about that and think, imagine if you were part of that group of people that was crossing over. I mean, the river thing, that was pretty amazing, but now you're just walking around the city hoping for it to fall over. I thought that takes a lot of faith. I reckon they'll walk around it and they get back on the very first day and a couple of the smart guys, they were just kind of testing the integrity of the walls. Day four, day five, day six, They're probably looking for stress fractures. I think it's going to happen. God said it would on the last day. Here they are, the seventh day, and they're walking around it. I reckon they're like, every time they pass around it, they're thinking, I don't see anything yet. I don't see anything yet. I haven't seen it yet. Where are the stress fractures? Stress fractures, has anybody seen any bricks begin to fall off of the city? No, we haven't seen that yet. All right, well, we'll just keep walking. And they kept walking around. And on the seventh time, they gave out the shout of praise. And the city in an instant falls flat. And up until that point, there was nothing to indicate that that city was going to fall over. And they said, we're going to do this thing all the way. We're going to—and I can't—I think, imagine if they had to quit before their time was ready. Imagine if they had a stopped before it was time for God to act and begin to move. And I feel like for us as a church— That's exactly what God is saying. You have not passed this way before. You're about to cross over. You haven't passed this way before. You're going to go and do something significant in the next season. You know, the mission of this church is really to build the church through people who are saved, free, equipped and sent because I believe that that's the life cycle of every believer. And in doing that, we just want to build the church. And so I think about that today. And I think, you know, our response today as we get ready for what God is about to do, is to believe by faith and so in faith with great expectation that not only do we see what He's blessing right now, but in the season to come, we're believing for incredible and outrageous favor. That God is going to do a new thing. That we're going to see that space. It's just just a room, but who cares? It's going to be filled with people that are calling on the name of the Lord. And that gets me excited. So all over this place, why don't we stand together?